0: On today's episode of Locked On Longhorns, we react to Steve Sarkeesian's best quotes from his National Signing Day presser on Wednesday. You are Locked On Longhorns, your daily podcast on the Texas Longhorns. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Longhorns, the show. Jonathan Davis, your host. Today's episode of Locked on Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. New customers, join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get started. On today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, we are exclusively reacting to Steve Sarkeesian's National Signing Day Presser on Wednesday in all three seconds. All, right, all of that and more on today's episode of Locked on Longhorns, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. So it was funny on Wednesday at this press conference, uh, Steve Sarkeesian talking about how the landscape of college football has changed. Right. And in the past, how at the National Signing Day presser, you would be talking about all of the kids that signed that day and, you know, what they brought to the table and how excited you were to add these young men to your program. But on Wednesday, Texas had no players sign, Right. And so that was the kind of ironic part that. Uh, Steve Sarkeesian was talking about in the current landscape of college football and how it's changed. Right, he really was just up there to provide quotes, you know, and talk about uh, the transition from you know ending the twenty twenty three season to going into twenty twenty four. Texas has thirty new players on the roster going into the twenty twenty four season. Um, twenty two from the high school ranks, eight from the transfer portal, and I think twenty five are already on campus, and five will be joining the team in June. So I think what's more important then when they sign, right, is that they signed and 30 players had all signed prior uh, to National Signing Day, which is really cool, right? You know, current landscape of college football has changed for sure, but I think it's cool, especially with 25 of them already being on campus, already getting acclimated to the program and, you know, doing what they need to do to continue on the success in 2024 that they had in 2023. So on Wednesday, I think, you know, Steve Sarkeesian provided a lot of good quotes um, that should get fans, you know, really excited about the 2024 season. And I think every time, You know, Steve Sarkeesian speaks every time he publicly represents the University of Texas, he does it really well, right? And every time, you know, I listen to these press conferences, he just continues to prove why he was the right choice in 2021 and why he has this Texas program on the verge of being a dominant program in college football and a perennial national championship contender. So, on today's episode, I'm going to, you know, read some of my favorite quotes and, you know, then react to them. First quote I didn't come here to just be a head coach again. I didn't come here to say that I'm the head coach at the University of Texas. I came here to win a championship. If I can get one, I want to get two. I'm borderline obsessed with it at this point. I know what it tasted like last year. I know how close we were and I couldn't wait to get back. Hopefully that's what our team really starts to exude is this obsession with being the best. You know, I really love this quote from Steve Sarkeesian because when you're at the University of Texas, right, with the talent pool you have, with the resources you have, especially you know, in this new NIL era, the goal should be to win a national championship at the University of Texas every year, right? There's some programs where that's not a realistic goal or expectation, but at the University of Texas, it is, right? And especially when you get that close, right? Especially when you're 11 yards away from the national championship, like Steve Sarkeesian said, you start to become borderline obsessed with finding that 1%, right? How can I get 1% better to take this program to the next level? How can I get that 1% better to take this program to the level that I know they're supposed to be at, right? Because he knows he can win a national championship at Texas. He knows he can win multiple national championships at Texas. He just has to find, right, that whatever he needs to find to bridge that gap between the success we had last year and being able to be the team that hoists that trophy at the end of the year. And when you look at, you know, anybody that has been great consistently in any sport, right, when we look at the all-time greats, I think you have to be borderline obsessed with winning, right, or, 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 or being better than you were yesterday, right? If you look at uh, Nick Saban, Bill Belichick, Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, Tom Brady, LeBron James, Tiger Woods, right? They're all obsessed with their crafts. They're all obsessed with winning, and they're all obsessed with being the best, and that's why they've done it at the highest level. Steve Sarkeesian in that ilk is obsessed with winning a national championship at Texas, and I believe he will. The second quote, complacency is like the devil. I cannot afford anybody in our building to feel like they've arrived. This is a new team. This team now has to develop their culture. This team has to develop their strengths. I have to identify their weaknesses and how we can improve upon those things. You know, for the better part of the last decade, Texas really hadn't enjoyed much success, right? And a large part of that was we felt like we had players that were just happy to be at the University of Texas, right? And we're more interested in what the University of Texas could provide for them rather than what they could provide for Texas, right? And I would assume in this new era of NIL, that's really hard to do, right? Is to, uh, you know, make sure that you have players that even though they're getting paid, you know, whatever, that still their main priority is competing every day at a high level and winning at the highest level at the University of Texas, rather than just getting a bag, right? Enjoying what the University of Texas can do for them. And nothing you did in 2023 carries over to 2024, right? This is still a brand new team that has to establish their culture. They still have to go out there and and play the games and win the games um, at a high level, right? In 2024, in the first year in the SEC, right? You don't get to carry the success over from 2023 into 2024. So this is a brand new team. And, you know, I think Steve Sarkeesian is doing a really good job of letting them know or, you know, reminding them that we haven't accomplished anything yet. This group has not accomplished anything yet. And I think that, you know, like when we saw those Georgia teams, right? Like in the second year when they won the national championship and they had like the fake chip on their shoulder and they were saying nobody believed in us. And even though that's, you know, BS, right? And even though, it, even though we know that's not true, I think that's a testament to the message that Kirby Smart has given them in the locker room, right? Kirby Smart made them feel like they hadn't accomplished anything. Like Kirby Smart made them feel like they had everything to prove, like they should have a chip on their shoulder and like people were doubting them. Right. Right? And even though they were the best team by far, right. They're better than TCU by far. They still went out there and played that game as if people thought they were going to lose to TCU. Right. And I think that, you know, in some sort of crazy way, that's the approach that Texas has to have. Right. I think Texas has to go into every game with the chip on their shoulder. And Texas has to have that mentality that even though they're the most talented team on the field, and even though they're one of five probably legitimate national championship contenders in college football right now, they have to go into every game like they have something to prove. And like nobody outside of their building believes in them, right? (laughs) Like I said, even though it's crazy, it works. (laughs) The next quote. One thing we're really proud of here and going into year four is I've had the same coordinators on our football team for now going into four straight seasons. We talk about continuity, right? Continuity, continuity, especially, um, you know, in this era of college football, right, where so many players are moving around, right? So many coaches are moving around. We're seeing a lot more coaches either retiring or moving on to the NFL. Um, Continuity is huge, right? For four straight years at the University of Texas, we've had the same offense, of course, you know, because Steve Sarkeesian is calling the plays, but Kyle Flood hasn't been, has been in that position, since 2021. And I think more importantly, on the defensive side of the ball, you've had P. Kikowski since 2021, right? And you've been teaching the same defense to these players for four years, right? And I think that continuity shows up in a huge way in terms of winning football games on the field, right? It matters, right? That you're not bringing in a new offense every year or a new offensive voice, that you're not bringing in a new defense every year trying to teach new terminology, new schemes, new plays, new blitzes every year, right? <laughs> you know, so Um, That continuity really matters, right? And I think that's why Texas is poised to be one of the best teams in college football next year because they've done such a good job of maintaining their staff, maintaining their play style, maintaining their philosophy, and maintaining their culture. And you do that by keeping really good people in the building. And they've done a really good job of that since 2021. Steve Sarkeesian on the wide receiver position. That room is going to be really solid. We've just got to find the right group of guys once September rolls around. We feel like we've been hearing that since 2021. But I do think that this is the best collection of receivers we've had since Steve Sarkisian took over at the University of Texas in terms of the amount of players we have on the roster right now that I think could go out and contribute from day one, right? And I think also what's going to be huge for this wide receiver room is I think we have versatility at that position that we didn't have before, right? I think Steve Sarkisian looks at players like Isaiah Bond, Jonte Cook, Silas Bolden, and Matthew Golden, and, you know, more, right? Because he talked about cross training, you know, DeAndre Moore and Ryan Niblett as well. I think he looks at the wide receiver room and says, I can put these players at any position, right? Whether it's at the X, whether it's at the Y, whether it's in the slot, right? I have receivers that can be effective from any position on the field, right? I don't have to lock them into any specific spot because if you looked at it last year, even though you had a very talented group of wide receivers, I saw a stat the other day that said that Jordan Whittington lined up in the slot 82% of the time. And then Adonai Mitchell lined up in the lined up out wide 81% of the time, right? So even though they're really good receivers, there wasn't a ton of versatility in. In terms of where you could put them on the field i think this group there will be a ton of versatility in terms of where you could put them on the field and i think every receiver we've brought in or will have a big role on this team can play all three positions and i think that will lead to even an even more explosive production right or even more explosive wide receiver room in 2024 a quick word from our sponsors and then we continue to react to some of the best quotes from steve sarkeesian in his recent press conference Today's episode of Locked On Longhorns is brought to you by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seat on the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, and placing some super bets. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a dub or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers, Join today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the National Football League. All right, the next quote is getting into uh, some of the receivers specifically. This is talking about Isaiah Bond. He says electric receiver for us, a guy that we recruited hard out of Buford High School in Georgia. Went to Alabama and had a tremendous year for them this year. Great deep ball player, deep threat, elite speed. We think there's more to his game than just that. You know, when we brought in Isaiah Bond, the first thing that we all said is that's the Xavier Worthy replacement, right? We know on Steve Sarkeesian's offense, there's always going to be you know a spot. There's always going to be value uh, for a receiver that can attack you know the defense in all areas of the field, specifically getting deep and. You know, it's always, you know, a touch away from scoring a touchdown, right? And I think Isaiah Bond fits in that mold, right? And even though he's 5'8", even though he's a smaller receiver, I do think that he is somebody who plays bigger than his size, right? He reminds me of kind of like a Zay Flowers, right? You know, like a shorter, smaller receiver, probably going to be the smallest player on the field, but he plays much bigger than that, right? And when he gets the ball in his hands or he's shifty, he can make people miss and he's hard to get on the ground, right? So even though he's 5'8", like I said, even though he's the smallest player on the field, he's going to, you know, his impact is going to be a lot bigger than that, right? And I think uh, when you look at, you know, Xavier Worthy's season highs, right, at the University of Texas, I said this a few times, but I think 75 catches was his season high in three years. I think 1,014 was his season high in three years. I look for Isaiah Bond to break both of those metrics this year, right? I think Steve Sarkeesian is really excited about bringing in a player like Isaiah Bond, and I think he's going to maximize the way we use Isaiah Bond this season. Um, And I think he's going to have a huge year, um, and be a Blitnikoff candidate at the end of the season. I think, yeah, I think Isaiah Bond's going to be a huge player for the University of Texas this year. And I know Steve Sarkeesian is licking his chops in terms of uh, how he'll be able to utilize Isaiah Bond in the offense this season. Talking about Jontae Cook, Ryan Niblett and DeAndre Moore. They're all very talented young players or we wouldn't have recruited them. They've got size. They've got speed. They got ball skills. Their future is very bright. But to think I was going to go into a season with three scholarship wide receivers, that would have been malpractice. So I guess he's referring to more after the Sugar Bowl where, uh, you know, Adonai Mitchell, Jordan Whittington and Xavier Worthy had declared for the draft. And these were the only three players left in the room. John Cook, Ryan Niblett and DeAndre Moore. Since then, you've added the four high school wide receivers in the class and uh, Aaron Bryant, Parker Livingstone, Freddie DuBose and then Ryan Wingo. And then you added the three, the three transfers and Bond, Golden, and Bolden, right? Um, but, you know, I think the the bigger point here is that I think a lot of fans, right, we really fall in love with these players from the high school ranks, right? You know, we we follow them in high school. We follow their journeys. And then they come to Texas. They sit for a year. And we say, oh, okay, we're excited to see John T. Cook. We're excited to see DeAndre Moore. We're excited to see Ryan Nibble, right? And I think the University of Texas is at the point where they cannot afford to not put the best players out there on the field, and they cannot afford to turn to not turn every stone with the hopes of putting the best players out there on the field, right? I would be very excited to see DeAndre Moore, Ryan Niblet, and Jonte Cook go out there and be our number one, number two, and number three receivers. But Steve Sarkeesian has a duty, right, to everybody associated with the University of Texas, to put the best players on the field, right? And if an Isaiah Bond is available in the portal, you have to go get it. Right. If a Matthew Golden is available in the portal, you have to go get it. And if Steve Sarkeesian has a plan for an explosive player like Silas Bolden and he's available, then you have to go get him. So, you know, I, like a lot of fans, you know, want to see, you know, John T. Cook, DeAndre Moore and uh, Ryan Niblett have huge roles on this football team. But the University of Texas is at the point where they have to put the best players on the field because they're competing for national championships every year. Right. And competition iron sharpens iron. Right. Who knows? Maybe Ryan Niblett, John Cook and DeAndre Moore just go crazy, right? This offseason and spring practices and everything, and they end up being the three best wide receivers, the three wide receivers we put on the field. But, you know, like I said, at this point, Steve Sarkeesian has to turn every stone in terms of maximizing the talent on this roster. And I think, you know, one, we just needed more wide receivers in the room, but he saw an opportunity to, you know, upgrade that room in the transfer portal, and that's what he did. And, you know, if John Cook Ryan Niblett and DeAndre Moore want to get on the field they're going to have to earn it right and that's going to be a theme at every position every year moving forward at the University of Texas as long as they continue the success Steve Sarkeesian on the edge position I'm hopeful those edge guys contribute in a way where we can have a lot more impact with our pass rush off the edge you know I think in the majority of games Texas was just fine with their production they were getting from the edge position and um, the majority of the games they were just fine with their pass rush right but I think in I guess the two biggest games right after the Alabama game right in Oklahoma and Washington, you weren't able to generate the pass rush you needed. And, you know, you saw that led to two elite performances from quarterbacks, right? Michael Penix Jr. Maybe had the best game of his career right against Texas. And then Dylan Gabriel probably had the best game of his season last year against the University of Texas, at least in a game that mattered, right, because you weren't able to to get a consistent pass rush, even though you were able to do it against Alabama. And that led to you getting one of the biggest victories in program history in week two on the road um, in Tuscaloosa. But I think, you know, when you looked at those two games in Oklahoma and Washington, even though every program in the country would sign up for going 12-2, and right? Or at least most of them would. um, You looked at it and you said, we need to be better in those spots, right? And even in the games that you won, right? Texas had one of the worst pass defenses in the country partly because of the coverage on the back end, but also partly because we struggled to get a pass rush or consistent pass rush at times in those games, right? And so you looked at it and you said to win at the highest level, right? Especially in the SEC, we have to be able to generate a better pass rush from our edge rushers, right? And so that was an area of need, a huge area of need that they identified for this football team. And I think it was really big to get your two starters from last year back and Ethan Burke and Baron Cyril, but then you also go out and, somewhat upgrade at the position, right? I don't know if we can say Colin Simmons is an upgrade yet because we haven't seen him play, but certainly in terms of his pedigree and being a five-star edge, you would expect him to have more production at that edge position over time than Baron Sorrell and Ethan Burke did. And of course, going in and getting a top five edge out of the portal and Trey Moore, who has 22 sacks uh, the last two years, should be an instant upgrade to the edge position as well. So, you know, I think that, you know, throughout the course of your schedule in the Big 12 and the non-conference, you had a decent enough pass rush to win those games, right? But in your, I guess, two of your three biggest games last year, the pass rush was really non-existent, right? And that's why two quarterbacks were able to do essentially whatever they wanted against you, right? And I think we've looked at moving forward into 2024 and beyond, we need better production from our edge positions to win at the highest level or the level we're accustomed to, the level we're trying to get back to. And I think bringing in players like Trey Moore and Colin Simmons goes a long way towards doing that. Steve Sarkeesian on Quinn Ewers. I don't think Quinn was a finished product yet. I think there's plenty of room for growth, improvement and development in his game going into year three. I do think his experience and maturity are all going to be things that we can benefit from. We're going to need his leadership. Definitely. Right. I think, you know, Quinn Ewers will be the first to tell you that he has things he can improve on. And that's the reason that he's staying for another year at the university of Texas. Right. And um, I think he's very good. You know, I think he should be the leading favorite for next year going into next season in terms of winning the Heisman or be the leading Heisman favorite going into next season which he is and I think he has already proven that he is one of the top college quarterbacks right that you can win at the highest level with Quinn Ewers as a college quarterback but there are certain things in terms of playing the position that he can improve on you know just like any young quarterback right going through your progressions right being able to make those tight window throws be able to throw with anticipation right be able to stand strong in the pocket and navigate pressure right being able to uh, you know, evade pressure, get out of the pocket and, and make throws on the run, right? Make plays with your legs, which he, you know, did at a really high level last year. So, of course, there's going to be things that, you know, Quinn Ewers can improve on his deep accuracy, right? Connecting on the deep ball, things like that. So, you know, of course, there's a lot of things that, you know, Quinn Ewers can improve on. And I think this offseason will be huge in terms of him, you know, sharpening those tools, right? And fixing those kinks in his game to show that not only is he one of the top quarterbacks in college football and not only, Is he one of the early favorites to win the Heisman? But he is a quarterback that is ready to change a franchise at the National Football League level, right? I think we've seen really good quarterback in college from Quinn Ewers. I think year three, the 2024 season, is where he'll show that he can be an asset and a franchise quarterback for a program at the National Football League level. A quick word from our sponsors, and then we get into about three or four, I would say, maybe five (laughs) more. Some of my favorite quotes from Steve Sarkeesian. on Wednesday's Wednesday's presser to close out the show. All right, so the next quote is on Arch Manning. I think Arch had an extremely bright future. We're very fortunate to have him on a roster. He's got great leadership skills, a great skill set, and so Ewers and Manning are going to be big for us next year. You know, I still think it's amazing that, you know, you have a player like Arch Manning with his pedigree and, um, you know, just him being a superstar in college already um, in this new era of college football and him sitting for an entire year and basically being told he's going to sit for another year. Right. And him still being cool with that. And we know that he should get plenty of opportunities to play next year, hoping that Quinn Ewers doesn't get hurt. Right. But We have seen that the last two years at Texas knocking on wood, but there should be three to four games possibly even more where Texas has a comfortable enough lead to where we can put Arch Manning in, right? You have four non-conference games and you play Vanderbilt in conference, right? So we should expect to see Arch Manning next year at least three times, right? Or something went terribly wrong. Uh, but, you know, I mean, when you look at the top two quarterbacks on any roster across college football, you'd be hard pressed to find two better and more talented players at that position than Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning one and two. So we're very blessed to have uh, both of those quarterbacks in the positions that they're in. We're very blessed to have a player like Quinn Ewers in year three going into our first year in the SEC. And we're very blessed to have such a talented, you know, future of the you know program type of player. And Arch Manning behind him. And I saw somebody on Twitter say that Arch will be the most ready first year quarterback. I want to say first or he'll be the most ready first time starter at the quarterback position we've had since Colt McCoy. Right. And you think Colt McCoy sat behind Vince, was on that national championship game, saw Vince every day, saw how he worked and then was able to follow that up. Right. Same thing with Arch Manning. Right. He's been able to sit behind Quinn Ewers for two years at the point that he'll be the starter. And that should benefit him so much on the field, even when he starts to take his real this real first snaps, right? Talking about Amari Nye Black replacing J- Jatavian Sanders. Tremendous pass receiving tight end with the loss of JT Sanders. How do we fill that void? Nye Black had a tremendous touchdown against us in the Alabama game, where I think opened a lot of our eyes to what he was capable of. You know, I say it all the time because Steve Sarkeesian says it all the time. Tight end is the second most important position in his offense, right? And it's hard to replace a, you know, an athletic specimen or a freak at the tight end position like Jatavian Sanders, right? But I think that based on what was in the portal, you did the best job you could bringing in a player like Amari Nye Black, uh, who went for over 20 yards on 25% of his receptions last year and averaged 16 yards a catch, right? So he's one of the most explosive players in the country at the tight end position. I'm not sure that he will be the type of player or he'll be the level of player that Jatavian Sanders was, I should say. But definitely that's you know about the best you can do in terms of bringing in a replacement for Jatavian Sanders without athletic and explosive Nye Black is at that tight end position. Talking about uh, Kenny Baker, Steve Sarkeesian, name drop Mike McDaniel and Chris Greer, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins and the GM of the Miami Dolphins. And he talked about how everybody he called about Kenny Baker couldn't rave enough about him being a quality coach, the way he relates to the players, his energy and his ability to teach at that position, talking about on the defensive line. And, you know, obviously your first choice or your, your priority would have been to keep Bo Davis, right? But Bo Davis, there were factors that, led to him wanting to, you know, go back to LSU. And then your second choice was Rod Wright, right? A former All-American and national championship. I mean, national champion at the University of Texas, but the Texans did everything in their power to keep him in the building, right? There's really nothing you can do about that, especially with him being at the National Football League level. That's a premier position, right? Defensive line coach, premier coaching position. But you were able to get Kenny Baker, who everybody, you know, is talking about as an as a up-and-coming superstar in the coaching ranks, um, one of the best, you know, young position coaches at that position, and you know, like you know, I just said with these quotes, and you know, talked about on the show in the past, everybody that you can talk about has raved about his energy, his ability to recruit, his ability to relate, and his ability to teach, right? And I think that you know, Steve Sarkeesian may have found a gem, he may have found a diamond in the rough, and you know, the loss of Bo Davis was huge, right? And I think not getting Rod right was huge, but. One thing that Steve Sarkeesian has shown is over the last three years going on to year four, he does a really good job of building this staff. Right. And I think that we have to give him the benefit of the doubt and trust that Kenny Baker was a really good hire. And I think that we could look back at this hire two years from now and say Steve Sarkeesian found a diamond in the rough. Kenny Baker is one of the best defensive line coaches in the world. And to end today's episode, the last quote, just about every coach on our coaching staff got offered a job this offseason legitimate right I think this is at the point we are now at the point where the University of Texas is once again a premier program in college football right and you're going to have that type of turnover really in the National Football League too right like when you win at the highest level you're going to have players they're going to move on to the National Football League and you're going to have other programs trying to poach your coaches to you know build a little piece of the University of Texas or build what the University of Texas has right now at their respective universities and for their respective football programs, right? And the only two coaches we had actually leave was Bo Davis to LSU and then, you know, Jeff Cho to Nevada. So, you know, this is a sign of a healthy program and this is a sign of one of the best programs in the country, right? That every coach on your staff can get a legitimate job offer and you have 10 players leaving your program potentially to go to the National Football League. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Locked On Longhorns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team. Every day.